Welcome to the Grit Growth Podcast. Commit to conquer, lead your life, leave a legacy, gather your grit, and let's get after it. Thanks so much for joining us. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, we're we're here just to explore grit. Um, you know the the virtue, the psychology, the the application. Um, you know, in life and in business, um, that's what it's all about. So, with that being said, uh, can you just go ahead and introduce yourself, Andy, to the <laughs> the crowd, whoever they may end up being? Yeah, certainly. Well, my name's Andy Farina. I'm just an average guy uh, living here in Gainesville. I have a uh, very above average wife <laughs> who's just a bundle of energy. We've been married uh, 35 years this month. Unbelievable. Yes. Uh, she survived with me that long. And we have five grown children, um, 19 to 30. And, um, and I was telling Matt, you've picked two of my favorite things in the world, grit and growth, and put them together. So I said, you guys are smart. <laughs> and that's about as perfect as chocolate and peanut butter together. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited to talk with you guys today. Appreciate that. I, uh, I came up with the concept during the pandemic and um, when everything was remote, you know, and there's a lot less human interaction going on and, and I wasn't in meetings all day, every day, uh, had, had more time in my thoughts. Um, and it, it ended up being kind of a, you know, almost like my take on what's wrong with the world and what can I do to interject my opinion into it, you know, and, and hopefully sway it for the better um, eventually. So yeah, that's the goal. That's great. I think I think it was great. I was again like as soon as I saw oh great growth, want to talk about that stuff. A lot of dudes sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and just kick it off then. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know where where it's gonna go, but why don't we just start at the beginning? Uh, what would you say? You know, you're you're you're. You know, not everybody knows this, of course, but you got to be one of the grittiest people that I know. Um, definitely high on the list. So where would you say uh, that started for you um, as opposed to, you know, have you always been that way or did you kind of grow into it? You know, what, what would be the origin story? Oh, that's a great question. Boy, that opens up a can of worms. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I turned 60 this year, so I've been doing a lot of reflecting on my life. And, um, you know, I started off behind the eight ball um, because I was, I was born very premature, like seven weeks premature back in the early 60s. And the doctors told my mom I'd never walk. I had deformity in my legs. Um, and uh, it must have been a total shock for my mom of course, and my dad. Um, and three other times in life, doctors told me I either will not walk or I may not walk. Um, one was due to a back injury and the resulting complications from that. And, um, but I've always been a very focused like child. Like I grew up, believe it or not, I grew up an unathletic, chubby musician in New York. And uh, the neighborhood I lived in was like super athletic and um, like every sport, every kid played every sport and blocks played against each other. 
and stuff like that. And, you know, when I first started out, I was like the kid like that was that everybody, you know, was picking last, you know, for whatever we were doing. And um, but I was always in my music. I was always very focused and uh, very determined. And uh, I excelled in the music world. I was a classical musician and later played bass guitar in a rock band. Um, then we moved from New York to Florida when I was 14 and my parents divorced shortly thereafter and I was pretty much on my own. And so, you know, I would say, you know, I wouldn't say I had a bad childhood or anything like that, but I had, I faced a lot of challenges growing up and, um, maybe I'm just the quintessential stubborn Italian. Like, um, I, I don't feel like I have a lot of talent or gifts type of thing. You know, like I said, I'm just kind of an ordinary guy, but man, when I lock into something and when I get determined, you know, I don't, I don't quit easy. And, you know, my, my I, I like Angela Duckworth's definition of grit, passion and perseverance for long-term goals. And um, I've got passion, the Italian, New York Italian thing, there's definitely passion in the Farina family. And, um, but I, I select my goals carefully and I lock in and I don't quit. I'm like the pit bull that, you know, latches onto something. I will find a way. Being an engineer by profession, um, I did high-tech design for defense contractors. You know, I'm highly analytical, and I always feel like, you know, if there's a solution, I'm going to find it, and there's always a solution, you know. So I think it just developed through the difficulties over the years. Um, a lot of people are afraid of hard times and of overwhelming challenges and stuff like that. But I think those are inevitable in life. And I think we should leverage them for our benefit and even more leverage them for the common good of all those you care about. And so since I have a big family, at least I think it's big. I never, you know, I never, I was overwhelmed with one child. Next thing I know I had five and I was like, honey, what's going on here? Um, there are so many challenges that I am so in over my head, but you know, you stay calm, you believe you're going to get through it, and then you figure out the best possible solutions because people are counting on you. Like at our house, when mama loses it, everybody runs to dad. When dad loses it, everybody runs for the hills, <laughs> you know? So I'm like the last line of defense. So I better keep my stuff together here. Because, you know, people count on me. So anyhow, that's that's my initial ramblings. I don't know if any of that sparks any interest whatsoever or if you'll no, never like be on it. your show again, but no. I'll stop there. I, li I liked all of it. And there's a lot to unpack for sure. <laughs> uh, so, I'm, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, so one thing I heard was that it's the struggle that builds the strength, right? That's That's what allows you to level up. So... Uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, a gimme or a hand me or a, you know, I, I deserve it type of Easy thing. way it's, out type of thing. Exactly. It's, it's going through the struggle, builds the strength, the success comes after that. Yeah. So, Typically for me, that's how it's been. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I like Angela Duckworth's book also, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. It's one of the first ones I found when I kind of started going down the grit growth rabbit hole. Um, and it was, a, it's a great, great read. And yeah, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway for me was exactly what you said. No, you know, above average talent per se, 
Um, but, you know, Michael Jordan didn't become the greatest ever on talent alone either. And that's what people don't realize. You know, it's, it's Michael Jordan perfected the basics, you know, 16 hours a day, all day, every day. And that's, you know, hard work and grit. But people only ever see, you know, the three-pointer from downtown at the buzzer, the buzzer beater, right? You know, you, mm-hmm. you don't see all the hard work. So, yeah, super cool stuff. Yeah, well, you mentioned something great, Carson, about mastering the fundamentals. You know, that I think cannot be overestimated enough. Mm-hmm. Like people want stuff to come easy. Um, I, I didn't mention, you know, uh, for, the, for the kid who was never supposed to walk, you know, 10, 10 years ago, I became an ultra runner. And so in the last 10 years, I've competed in 26 ultra marathons, ranging from 31 to 101 miles running in the mountains on technical trail. So it's not just, you know, running flat forever. Um, you know, I've, I've done five marathons as training runs, you know, just to prepare for these and, you know, finish top 10 in some of those. And, um, about 20 plus obstacle races, including the Spartan Ultra Beast and Tough Mudder and, you know, different things. And all those for me are fun. It's just, I'm weird. People say, what do you do running for 30 hours straight? And I was like, I don't know, but I just have a, I just love doing it. But to, to get to that point, I had a back injury that didn't allow me to run for 18 years that I had to come back from. And when I first came back, I couldn't, it took me a week to recover from running one mile because my back hurt so bad. Wow. I'd run one mile, week to recover. Oh, this is a good sign, I recovered. <laughs> run another mile, week to recover. Oh, okay, I recovered. Run another mile, repeated the process. Finally, I was recovering in five days, then three days, then two days, then the next day. Then I run two miles. Then it was three miles. The first race I ran again after 18 years was Gator Gallop, two mile race. Had no idea what was going to happen. Ended up running it in like 14 minutes, 14 and a half minutes or something like that. And I was like, wow, I I feel pretty good Um, during the race. It took me a week to recover. But then I just built from there. Next thing you know, it was the Warrior Dash. And then it was, you know, three miles, you know, and then it was Tough Mudder. It was 11 miles. And then it was like, oh, I'm about to turn 50. I should run a 50k and it was like then that was 31 miles and then it was like oh oh, man georgia death race that's 69 miles and 20,000 feet of climbing and mountains oh i should go do that so i think there are some struggles that are thrust upon you but i like like what the my military buddies say you know um more bleeding in peacetime means less bleeding in wartime it's like if you're going through good days in your life that's great but choose some challenges to stretch yourself so that when you do get hit with the challenges and we inevitably all do, right. you'll be more prepared. I don't know if you're never totally prepared, but you could be more prepared. So I'm a big fan of mastering the fundamentals and committing to challenges, whether I have challenges in my life right now or not. For me, I mostly almost always have challenges in my life. I don't know why, but they just seem to keep popping up. So, but I tend to throw a few extras in and uh, drive my wife crazy in the process. <laughs> gotcha. So, uh, ha- have you read um, Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter? Um, I have not. I heard his podcast and yeah. loved what he said and read it. Uh, I'm an avid reader and I had such a big stack of books. Yeah. that I just, it's on my Amazon wish list, but do, okay. 
Do you have any thoughts from that that have stirred you? <laughs> well, I hate to just create an echo chamber here forever, but uh, it's it's really along the same lines of what we've been talking about. And when you were just talking about <laughs> your ultra run and your 50K when you turned 50, I just keep hearing uh, Masogi, Masogi, which is the um, Japanese, I think it was. Is that right, Matt? Um, Japanese ritual. So. Yeah, of basically embarking on an adventure or a journey um, so challenging for you specifically that there's only a 50% chance that you will succeed um, basically or a or a 50% chance at failure um, yes. in other words so I love he, that that sounds his, like my 100 mile races yeah exactly I so, never know if I'm gonna make it or not right big challenge yeah big yeah. big big prep big challenge big results and uh so he he breaks it all down and and basically his philosophy is to I think plan to to embark on that once a year so either mm -hmm. climb a mountain or you know, Georgia death race or something along those lines. So yeah. man, after my it's own heart, place. I'm totally with him on that. Yeah. I, I try to pick a huge challenge at least once a year. And then I throw in some pretty big ones just to prep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, on the origin story, uh, uh, real quick, again, it, it almost sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm taking it too far, but it's almost like maybe being an underdog from the beginning, you get a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Uh, and then it's like, now I have to, you know, I can't just make a base hit. I got to knock it out of the park. Would you say that's a, there's a degree of that? Well, that's a, that's a really, that's a really good question. Um, you know, the nice thing about getting older and getting a lot of gray hair, which obviously I have a lot of, um, you know, you kind of get to a point where you, yeah, see that, that's look at that. Com it's coming in. Yeah. Silver streak there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's my stripe. I got, a, <laughs> I got a zebra stripe. It adds some great character for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, I kind of know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at in, in a lot of ways. And I, I don't feel pressure like I have to prove something to others. Um, so I don't know if I have a chip on my shoulder like I want to prove something to others. But I, I do feel like it's important to keep challenging myself to prove something to myself. Like I joke with people I train, um, you know, that, um, you know, I don't want to get civilized. I don't want to become domesticated. Uh, that, that is not who I want to be. That's not who I am. Um, and so um, I do feel that um, if I have a chip on my shoulder, that I have a chip on my shoulder to keep going to the next level or leveling up, like you said, you couple that with I have to, this is sitting on my desk, you know, um, you know, my alter ego, it sounds really corny and I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing myself, but, um, you know, Rocky's kind of my alter ego, you know, it's like, I am the underdog, you know, I'm, I just don't have a lot of things that were going my way, most of my origin life. And, you know, you've, you, you know, one of my life mantras, I'm big on mantras is fall down seven, get up eight. And I just recently modified it to fall down seven, get up eight better. So I know I'm going to fall because I'm far from perfect, perfect and I've got all these limitations. But my, my quest is, can I keep getting back, back up and can I get back up a better man? Um, so I feel like that's more of what drives me personally and also my passion to see others. Like I just really am excited about seeing others reach impossible goals 
Like that's just part of my whole psyche. I, I can't take any credit for it because I'm not that good of a guy. But um, you know, I, one of my life missions is to help people do what they thought they couldn't do. And so I do a lot of that with my clients. I do that with my friends. I do that with my kids. Like, you know, I want to see you do what you don't think you can do, but you dream about doing. And I have seen more times than not people do what they couldn't do, what they thought they could, than I've seen people try and fail. So that gets me excited. And I'm a big fan of Brene Brown and Daring Greatly and, you know, FDR and Man in the Arena and stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah, sure. If you're going to fail, fail greatly at least, you know. Um, fail at trying something huge than just trying something small and failing. So, you know, that's more of my psyche. And I think that developed, you know, growing up as an underdog, the kid who first can't walk. You know, I was in braces and casts for the first few years of my lives. I was in corrective shoes until I was six years old. The other kids would make fun of big, like clunky Frankenstein shoes. And, you know, I could remember like it was yesterday asking my mom, you know, mom, when am I going to be able to wear like shoes like the other kid, you know, and though those things are unpleasant and difficult and stuff like that, but, you know, they shape me and in, in, I hope in a positive way into being the person I am and the man I am now. Right. So I'm not afraid of difficulty. I don't enjoy it. I don't invite it, but I'm not afraid of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, just talk about re- resilience, right? A synonym to perseverance, uh, to, to be able to roll that off your shoulder and not have a chip on it afterward, you know, um, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate resilience. And we, we take, we take so many luxuries and comforts for granted, you know, as a society, uh, and we think we have problems, but, you know, stories like that put in perspective, you know, what was a, what was a real problem, (laughs) you know, uh, what was real difficulty, you know, as opposed to, oh, I got cut off in traffic or, you know, whatever. I had a internet snafu when I tried to start my podcast recording uh, for three people, you know, across the state from each other in my nanoseconds. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's so, it's so easy to take it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, you touched on your clients there for a second and, uh, I'm really interested to hear, like you said, people, you like to see people do things they thought they couldn't do. What do you say or or what's your um, approach to instill that first, you know, shot of grit into them that they maybe don't have, uh, or at least they don't know they have yet? Yeah, I, you know, I, I have a basic principle I operate by with people that, you know, people want to be seen people want to be heard, people want to be understood, and people want to be believed in. And, you know, the cool thing about growing up in New York is, you know, you learn young, we don't blow, I don't blow smoke. You know, I call a spade a spade. If I have a client and they're not doing well, you know, I don't mind telling them because usually they know I care so deeply about them that it's coming from a good place. But the big thing I communicate with my clients is, number one, I believe in you. Like I, I know from a, from a medical fact that when you say you can't do anything else, you've, you've exhausted all your resources. My understanding is you have about 33 to 50% of your capacity still intact. 
I have experienced that when I've taken off in an all out sprint on a trail on mile 85, when I've been running for over 24 hours straight in the mountains, but we had to, we had to make the cutoff to meet this deadline because I was running behind. And it was like, there were no excuses. And I was like, I am not getting knocked out of a race at, because I didn't give it everything I had. And my, my, my running partner at the time was like, said, you were throwing yourself down that trail. You know, it's like, you have, you have capacities in you and people have capacities in them. They don't even realize. So the first thing I, I try to do is model that for them. So that's, they know that I, I know what I'm saying. You know, I'm, I show it by how I live my life because like Gandhi said, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Like if I'm going to talk to people about giving their all, I better be giving my all, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite, um, you know, um, as best I can for sure. So I, you know, so I show them the way and then I communicate, I believe in you and I'm going to resource you and support you until you get where you want to get. So the first thing you want to do is you got to decide, what do you really want? Like, it's one thing to say, okay, I want to run a marathon. And a lot of people do this. I want to run a marathon so I can tell everybody I ran a marathon. Okay, great. Okay, awesome. Okay, what have you done so far? Oh, I've run a few miles here and there. Okay, well, you know, okay. Running a marathon is not going to be the hard part. It's the process of getting to the point where you can run a marathon that is going to take the grit and it's going to take the perseverance. How bad do you want this? You know, and sometimes they don't want it bad up front. So I give them some tastes of success in shorter races and say, see, you could do it. And, and then they like, yeah, I could do it. And then they're willing to pay the price to go through the process to prepare. Okay. So I would say, show the way, help them to feel that you believe in them so they can start to believe in themselves and then get them to small successes that build into big success. Those are some of the things I do to help my clients do what they thought they could never do. And it's so much fun to get that text or that email or that phone phone call, either right after a race or right after an event or right after a training session where they're just ecstatic saying, I did it. I did. I never thought I could break a 20 minute 5k or I never thought I could finish this marathon or, you know, and I just love getting those emails and texts. It's like a celebration big time. Well, it's delayed gratification, right? And what, I mean, how good do you feel when you finish that hundred miles, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, how bad do you feel, but how good at the same time? No, if you saw that, if I could send you pictures, I mean, (laughs) you like, you're so wired after that. Like when I finished my first hundred mile race, I I ran 26 plus hours straight. Wasn't very fast, but I survived and finished. And um, I came home and did yard work. (laughs) I I was like, I was so wired. I had been up for 40 hours straight, but I was so wired. I was like, I was so excited. I came home and did yard work. I stayed up for the rest of the day and and then finally went to bed that night and slept like a rock. But I was up, you know, forever. It it, it is, that's, that's the part that I want people to experience. The, the size of the challenge you overcome determines the magnitude of joy you experience and if you don't take on great challenges even if you're going to fail it's worth it because when you conquer them the celebration is like oh my gosh it's phenomenal right you know it's just phenomenal 
So, I mean, people will walk up at nine o'clock in the morning, they'll hand you a beer and a, and a, and a hot dog after you've run for, you know, 25 or 30 hours. And I swear it tastes like caviar. Like the world is beautiful. At that <laughs> but whatever your challenge is, it doesn't have to be a hundred miles. It could be anything, whatever your challenge is. Right, right. You go through the hell because the outcomes of how you change for the better and how you can celebrate and enjoy life are so worth it. It's like women having babies. Right. My wife never complained about having five delivery right. because the joy of having the children was so much greater. Yeah. What a you feeling know? of triumph and accomplishment. And I, I feel bad for anybody who doesn't ever take that on and, and get to experience it. You know, it, it's worth so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe they just need someone to encourage them a little bit. I think right. everybody's capable they just sometimes need somebody to encourage them and say, you can do this. Totally agree. You know, and you here know, we are. So. Hopefully they come across this. That's right. If people remember nothing else from my ramblings, <laughs> is you can do it, but right. you've got to get in the arena and fight. You've got to. And it's fun. I mean, it's hard. Yeah, you get bloodied and you get beat up. And I can't tell you in the midst of training for ultra marathons how much I can you know, struggle and suffer at times and try to manage my work schedule, my business, my, my family, my friends, because I'm committed to them. I'm committed to people. It's hard. I mean, you've got to run efficient. You better be smart by how you use your time. There's no fiddling around, but it's, it's just worth it. It's so worth it. Hey, awesome. Andy, I want, to, I want to take us back in those 18 years before you ran, before you got back on there. You know, th there has to be grit involved, not just in the physical challenge, but the mental challenge in that period. And, and we've talked a lot about the physical side, but I, I want to kind of hear that mental side, too. Oh, that's 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 a that's a great question, because I feel like I really lack physically, but where I am strong is is mentally. And my friends have seen me fail mentally in races. So I, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm, again, just your ordinary guy. But the mental aspect. So I had my back injury. I, I, I was a, I became a runner in college, ran well. I didn't run for my university, but I, I competed in road races and did very well and so on and so forth. I was playing football with friends, had a back injury. It was pretty bad. Um, and I was poor, putting myself through school and didn't get enough medical care. And it got progressively worse from the time I was 18 till I was 30. And I was in pain 24 seven total for 23 years. So I don't wish that on anybody, but you know, so there were a couple different aspects of the mental part of dealing with why I didn't give up and how I was able to make a comeback after 18 years of not racing. Um, one was you, again, I mentioned before, you have to decide what you want um, and what you really want. Um, so a couple different things, uh, for people who know me well, you know, I, you know, I, I'm a spiritual person. And so part of it was when, when I was at 30 and they, the medical people shut me down, said, you can't run, you can't, your, your discs in your lower back are shot. And if you see, if I showed you my MRI, you'd see, I have a, my L5 S1 disc, your classic lower back disc is like. 60% smaller than all the other discs. So I shouldn't be able to do what I can do. So it is in a sense a miracle that I can run all these races and obstacle races and stuff like that. But I had a conversation with God 
And I said, you know, Lord, the doctors are telling me I'll never run again. I may not walk. Um, there's a lot at stake here. You know, do you want me to stop running? Um, and I never sensed him. I didn't hear any audible voices or anything like that. So people can think I'm crazy one way or another, but um, I never sensed like I, like I got the impression, like he wanted me to quit. Like, it was like, it was almost like, I just want you to just keep pressing, keep, keep moving forward. Um, so I went through years of medical people, all different kinds, orthopedic surgeons, neurosurgeons, um, never had surgery, refused to have surgery. They, you know, um, chiropractors, kinesiotherapists, physical therapy, um, you name it. And I went through it. And so no one could pinpoint the issue exactly of where all my pain was coming from. And people would just say, well, just stop doing this and stop doing that. So first thing is I had to be true to my values. I valued my relationship with God and my friendship. And, and I didn't sense he was saying stop. My wife wasn't saying stop, even though she was kind of afraid for me. Um, and then I had to go to my values and say, okay, you know, should I be stopping doing basic things at 30 years old? Just doesn't seem right. So I, I locked into, I'm going to find a solution, whatever it takes. And so I just, um, you know, fall down seven, get up eight. I would try a certain kind of therapy. If it helped, I hung on to it. If it didn't help, I got rid of it. And I kept repeating that process and repeating that process and repeating that process. And I would do therapy after therapy and thing after thing. And it was hard. Let me tell you, it was hard. It was discouraging. Um, a lot of people weren't very supportive. You know, uh, and I read about a boxer, I think it was Sugar Ray Robinson says, you have to believe in yourself because nobody else will. Um, I got to points, you know, you can imagine during an 18 year stretch where there were most voices were telling me to quit, give up. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're getting older, your body can't take it. You know, all the fear talk, you know, um, you're going to hurt yourself permanently. You're not going to be able to walk. But I just didn't sense that was my destiny. I know it sounds crazy. And I spend time every day reading the Bible. I spend every day talking with God. So we have an ongoing conversation. And I just never sensed like he was saying stop. So I was like, until you tell me to stop or Suzanne tells me to stop, you know. Kind of the same my, thing. My wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> on many a day, for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to quit. So quitting was not an option. So once you take quitting off the table, so that was, I think that was key to my mindset was I was living in my value system for better or for worse. And I took quitting off the table. So that same mindset kicked in recently when I was diagnosed with cancer. And, um, you know, I had 10 great years of racing and really good health. And my, you know, I finally solved the back issue after many years and had 10 great years. And in the last two years, I've raced terrible. People are like, you're getting too old to be doing ultra marathons. You better stop. You know, again, lots of fear, lots of, you're going to hurt yourself permanently. I want you to be able to walk when you're 70 and all this stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I, I went right back to it. Conversations with God, you know, where am I at? Do I sense like my body's really breaking down? So in 2022, uh, 2021, I'm sorry, in the end of 2020, I, I got a massive infection in my jaw. I had to have two pretty big oral surgeries that knocked me out of training for, you know, a few weeks at a time. 
Then I blew a disc in my back because I overtrained for two really big races back to back. And I was out of commission for another six, seven, eight weeks. And then I get diagnosed with aggressive, all this in 2021, get aggressive prostate cancer. And I had been fighting it for like three years um, because I knew my numbers were out and things were getting worse and worse. And I didn't want to have surgery. And it was at the point now where it was starting to going to spread. And if I didn't do something now, it wasn't going to happen. So I had to have surgery, remove the prostate. Um, I was knocked out for another couple months. And it was just hit down to the mat, down to the mat, down to the mat. And uh, same thing. Am I going to live by my values? Am I going to quit because it's uncomfortable or because I fear that something worse is going to happen? And I believe there's a quote that I think of often that says, everything you ever wanted is on the other side of fear. And so you have to walk through your fears and you have to determine, okay, I feel like moving forward for me now that I've kind of collected it, undeservedly collected an audience, people who somehow get their inspiration from things I do. Um, I didn't ask for that. And I don't think I'm quote worthy of it, but that's the reality of it. So what I choose to do impacts other people's lives. And so if I quit, it doesn't, I don't just quit for me. I'm quitting for a bunch of people and that's just not right. I'm not going to do that. And so I think you live by your heart and values for me god my family you know what they input they give me you know i live by my principles and once i lock into something i'm locked quitting is not an option if i get knocked out that's different you know but But you're gonna go down swinging that's right i am not throwing in the towel and if you don't have that mentality you're probably not going to finish the big goals. I, I don't know if that's true. I, I don't mean to say that authoritatively. I will say it's my experience that if I don't go